Hey everyone, welcome to the Coastal Podcast. I'm Pastor Lucas Granger and want to say thank you for listening in. May this podcast bring some light to your world today. Enjoy grace and peace. So stop, stand at the crossroads, look around, and ask for the old godly ways. Ask for those ancient paths, the eternal ways, and walk in those that there might be rest for your soul. Can anybody use some rest for their soul this morning? That's Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. Uh, we've been talking about these ancient paths and uh, seven different practical things that we could do, these paths that take us basically from coast to coast, from life to life, that we see them in Genesis, we see them in Revelations, and they've proven themselves through the good times and through the bad times, and we could lean into them. We've talked about prayer, the word, worship, community, the kingdom of God, and holy work. Now, is there more? Well, at least one more, because we're going to talk about today. But I'm sure there's plenty more. These were just seven of the most obvious that I saw at work there in the beginning of Revelations, in Genesis and at the end there in Revelations, and in between as we join in with the renewal of all things. So what is today? You'll be able to guess here in one second. Genesis chapter 2, beginning with verse 2, it says this, And on the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all of his work. And he blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all of his work of creation. The seventh day, the seventh thing, rest. Rest, holy rest, Sabbath. If I was to ask you this morning, how would you describe rest? What are some of the things that come into your mind? For the most part, a lot of us, hey, you just read Genesis 2. There's this idea that, well, you stop working. And, and for some of us, that's kind of where it stops. It's like, if I could just stop working, then I could have some rest. But how many of you know that you've done that? You stopped working, but you didn't find the rest. You stopped working, but all of that anxiety was still inside of you. Uh, for some of us, there's this idea of, like, if I could just go to sleep, if I could just sleep and get some rest, Oftentimes in the Bible, too, when it talks about rest, there's this idea of death. Like there's rest and there's this death that we go to. Uh, the other night, we're at my house, and at our dinner table, we have this thing that we got from the Stanleys, and it's kind of molded and changed through the years, but we'll ask our kids these questions. Hey, what was a highlight of your day and a low light? Tell us something good that happened. Tell us something bad that happened. And it just kind of puts the day in perspective for the kids and then the kids can ask any questions they want. And so I, I don't know if it was Reese or Kobe asked the question, but they said, uh, if you only had one hour left to live, what would you do with that hour? If you had one hour left to live, what would you do with that hour? And I think Reese said something about, like, you know, I would want to invite my friends over and we would just play and have fun and just enjoy the friends. And then I think Kobe, <laughs> um, play a little robo blocks and, uh, and then it gets to be mom's turn, and before mom has a chance to say anything, Reese pipes in. So if, if mom only had one hour left, she'd probably take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> and we're all just busting out laughing, and Devin's just, what? I would not. You might. You just might. You just take that nap. Um, rest, this idea 
um, a few different things when I think about rest. You could think about sleep and stop working. You could think about death. You could think about, I rest my case. I'm confident in this thing. I presented this, and now I'm confident. I'm based and founded upon this principle. I rest my case. I can walk away from it. You could think about a place, a lodging. Like you create a space where you could go and you could rest, where your body, your mind, and your spirit all come into alignment, and there is a certain peace. There is a rest in music. That as you play music, there's, there's not just the music and the notes that the band plays. There's the music that they don't play. It's when you let a piece of music just breathe and rest and say la, and it's the pause in between, it's the breath, it's the rest of the music. Um, it's used upon to support something. I rest this beam upon this beam, and it carries the weight. I think about the rest and that which is left over. I'm going to have the rest of this cake tomorrow. All of these ideas. So here's the thing. Why, with all of these definitions, all of these ideas that we have about rest, why is it so elusive? Why does rest love the game of hide and seek? Because you see, like, oh, I can know it, I can define it, but I just can't seem to grab it. It's always just a little bit out of reach. You could go on vacation and still not find rest. You could stop working and still not find rest. You could create these places. But the thing is, there's a war going on on the inside that's way bigger than the things that are happening on the outside. You can lay your head down on your pillow at night and your brain cannot stop working. Life can be perfect, no complaints at all, and yet you're just waiting for something to go wrong. I mean, everything is absolutely perfect. You just had the best day ever, and you go to lay down and you're just waiting for something to happen because you're just worried and stressed, and there's no rest for your soul, like Jesus says in Matthew 11, come to me, all you who are burdened and weary, and I will give you rest. There's this rest that we long for, this rest for our, our souls. And yet there's the story that we tell ourselves. There's a story that Jesus tells about rest, and then there's the story that we tell ourselves, which are two completely different things. Because the story we tell ourselves goes something like this. If I had more time, I could then be at rest. If I could just take some days off and stop working, then I could find the rest. Or the story is, well, if I had more money and I'd have more time, then I could be at rest. And these are kind of usually our two default things when it comes to rest. If we had more time, if we had more money. And these two things evolve into the American dream, which is now the dream of retirement. If I could just retire, then I'll find the rest that I'm looking for. I just got to work this job for another 30 years. Then I'll find rest. Come on, somebody. You know, I'm telling the truth. Like, the, the American dream is no longer the white picket fence anymore. The American dream is if you could retire at 40, you've made it. Right? Like, success is the quicker you could retire, the more successful you are. And we think that this is the case because if I had time and if I had money, but it's like, it's like everything in life, it's left us wanting. And then there's this thing, well, I'll watch all these shows on Netflix and maybe I could retire early and I'll just get a van and I'll just travel around the United States and I'll live down by the river. Some of y'all got that. 
Others, you'll catch up later. And we do, we do all of these things. Let me give you a quote from the 1960s. Futurists all over the world, from sci-fi writers to political theorists said this. They thought that by now, we'd be working fewer hours. In one famous Senate subcommittee, subcommittee in 1967 was told this, that by the year 1985, the, the average American would work only 22 hours a week and then for only 27 weeks out of the year. <laughs> See, I think a perfect job is to be a futurist because you can just make up whatever you want and no one's going to call you out until like 50 years later. Like, sorry, I'm retired now, you know? This was the thought. This is the training because this was the thinking as techno technological advancements were happening that these things will make life easier. Therefore, we'll have more time. We'll have more money to do these things that we want to do. And therefore, we'll work less. We'll work 22 hours a week, 27 weeks out of the year. But what did we do with all of our time and all of our extra money? We filled it with more stuff. We had some time, we had some money, and we just bought more stuff and more expensive stuff. So therefore, we had to go back to work again to work harder to pay for our stuff to buy more stuff. And we're still in a van down by the river. It's just a really nice van. It's still the same thing. Why? Because the war on the inside, if you don't conquer this, you could change everything on the outside. Well, why is there war in this world? Because there's war on the inside. We won't have peace on the outside until there's peace on the inside. You can't have, like, there's this rest that God's saying, there's this rest for your soul. Come to me. You've got to come to me, all of you are weary and burdened. And here's the thing, our, our pursuit still continues today. We're still searching for this ever-elusive rest and now, instead of dreaming about the white picket fences or even dreaming about retirement, now we're just dreaming someone else's dreams. So we look at other people's life, and they look happy, and they seem happy, and they're nice. Oh, so they have, the, so I'll just dream their dream, and if I get the things they have, then I'll be happy. Then I'll find rest. And so it went from the white picket fence to being your own boss to maybe one day when I get married or have a kid or go on vacation or listen, the dream is if I could just play golf every day. Here's the thing. You play golf every day, but you still stink. <laughs> Come on. Can I get an amen, somebody? The other rest of you are lying because you still do. You just, if I got these things, and there's nothing wrong with any of these things. It's wonderful to do these things, to, to have kids, to get married, to go on vacation, to play golf. But here's the thing. They're all great in their proper place, in their proper place. Fiji looks amazing, but it will not fill the hole in my soul. Your soul is searching for rest and peace and a lodging and something to lean upon. Your soul is searching for the rhythmic creation that God established in Genesis 2. It's this rhythm of creation which God set from the very beginning. And on the seventh day, God had finished his work, and so he rested. And then what did he do? See, we forget about that, but then he does this was the day. He blessed it. He declared it holy. This day is sanctified. It literally means it's set apart. This day is different from the rest. 
There's all of this creation, all of this, and it was good and it's wonderful and it's beautiful. But this day, it is different. It is holy. I want to read some scriptures for you this morning. We read Genesis 2. I want to read Revelations chapter 14. We read it last week. I want to read it again. Revelations 14, verse 13. And then I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this down. Blessed are those who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they are blessed indeed, for they will, for they will rest from their hard work, for their good deeds will follow them. Hebrews chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. The writer writes this. Now listen to this. God's promise of entering his rest, it still stands. We ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. There is a rest that God has for us, and the author is writing these people saying, you should tremble in fear that the rest that God has available, you cannot enter into it. You might not experience it. For this good news that God has prepared this rest and has announced it to us just as it was to them, but it did no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. For only we who believe can enter into this rest. In other words, there's no other rest outside of Jesus like this rest. You have to be a believer in Christ. You have to be able to rest in Christ. As for the others, God said, in my anger I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. Even though this rest has been ready since the day he made the world. It's been there all along. We know it's ready because of the place in Scripture where it mentions the seventh day. And on the seventh day, God rested from all of his work. But in other passages, God says, they will never enter the place of rest. It's there, but they won't enter it. So God rest is there for people to enter. But those who first heard this good news, they failed to enter. Why? Because they disobeyed God. So God set aside another time for entering his rest, and that time is today. God announced this rest through David much later in the words already quoted. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Now, if Joshua, when he's taking the children into the promised land, if he had succeeded in giving them this rest, God wouldn't have spoken about another day of rest still to come. So there's a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rest from their labors, just as God did after the creating of the world. So let us do our best to enter into that rest. But if we disobey God, as the people of Israel did, we will fail. We should tremble and fear that there's this rest that's available to us and we could still miss it. One more, Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. Uh, Jesus is walking with his disciples, and it's a Sabbath day. And as he was walking through some grain fields, the disciples broke off heads of grain, and he rubbed off the husks in their hands, and then they ate the grain. But some of the Pharisees that were there, they said, Why are you breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? And to which Jesus replied, haven't you read the scriptures that David did what he, what he did when his companions were hungry? He went to the house of God and he broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priest can eat. And he also gave some to his companions. And then Jesus adds this, the son of man is Lord even 
over the Sabbath. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. This is the first thing we hear in Genesis about from the scriptures about this rest, that there's one that can be entered into. And there's this creation process, and it's good, and it's very good. And on the seventh day, this day is different, and God blessed it, and he rested in it. And then you know what he did? He repeated it in Exodus. In Exodus, we're given these laws, and these are the laws that to, to govern the people and to live by. And so in Exodus, we have this repeat of what God did from the beginning. And then in the New Testament, in the life of Jesus, we have clarity of what that means to enter into the rest. And then in Revelations, there's the culmination of all of these things. So all throughout the scriptures, there's this idea of a rest that we could have. And yet here in the book of Hebrews, he's clearly saying, listen, Israel missed it. There was a whole group of people that they thought if they could just get out of Egypt, if they could just stop working, if they could just stop getting beaten every day, because that's the thing about a slave. A slave works seven days a week. A slave doesn't get a day off. And so for Israel, it's like if we could just get out of Egypt and we could get out of this place, then we could find this rest. And the writer tells us they never found it. And most of us think that in order to have, to, stop, to have this rest, all you have to do is stop working. No, that is not the way it works. And so what happens is we try to take this law and then we've regulated it to death. He gave us this, like, this is this pattern, this musical rhythm of creation that I'm asking you to enter into. And in, in Exodus, like, no, this is a commandment. This is for you. This is that you could have rest for your soul. And so then all the Pharisees came and the Sadducees and the leaders, all these this is how we're going to do it. There's a million different rules on how you Sabbath and how you rest, where you can't harvest your grain. And so even to see the disciples just walking in a field with Jesus, which is really the definition of Sabbath, to just walk and be with Jesus. And, and, and there's, oh, here's some grain. And all of a sudden the Pharisees point out, look at what you're doing. You're harvesting grain on the Sabbath. And what we've done is we've taken this beautiful gift from God and we've turned it into a burden. Now it's a burden. We don't even know how to rest. We put all these rules and regulations. And here's the thing. Anytime you put all of these things on top of something that was supposed to be a blessing, it eventually reverts on itself. Until that place where it meant your house used to be a blessing, but now your mortgage is so high that man, it's become a curse. Your cars, that it's, it's supposed to be a blessing and there's all of this traffic. The government, which was supposed to unify us, now we've broken apart and there's this disunity. Entertainment that was supposed to relax us. We're so entertainment enriched now, even entertainment itself doesn't entertain us. We could binge watch Netflix for 20 hours and still have no rest for our souls. I mean, we could, have, we could go on the highest of highs. We go on the most amazing vacations and still come back. Oh, it's just not what I wanted. And here the Pharisees are, stop harvesting the grain. And Jesus is like, you have missed it. I am your rest. I am your Sabbath. If you'll just enter into me. See, you think that if you just get out of Egypt, the thing is you took it with you. See, you might have left Egypt, but Egypt has been on your back this entire time. 
because you've disobeyed and you haven't listened to my command and what I've told you to do. And you thought that if you could just regulate it enough, it will bring you into fulfillment, but it didn't. So, so you wrote 600 and something laws to try to bring you into this fullness of these 10 laws that I tried to give you as a way to live, and it still didn't work. Jesus is saying, I'm Lord of the Sabbath. It serves me. I don't serve it. It flips everything around. See, see, the law is good. The law in itself is good. It is a great servant. It is a terrible master. It is a great servant. It is a terrible master. The law, morality, ethics, legal, all of these things but you could do all these things, and it still doesn't make you right. The Sermon on the Mount teaches us that. Your soul can still be at war. You can still have Egypt inside of you. Why is this the case? I would say this. Because we don't know how to rest in God, we recreate the tension that you long to escape from because we become more comfortable in the chaos than the silence. Because we don't know how to rest in God, all we can do is when we try to rest is recreate the tension that we've tried to escape from because we're more comfortable in the chaos than we are with just walking and talking with Jesus. And so we go on vacation, or we do these things, or we get these things, we, we have these days, but there's still all of this on the inside of us. Let me put it another way. This is why you go to the beach and still blare the radio. You've missed the entire point of the beach. Like, right? I'm telling you right now, leave it at home. This is why we go to the mountains and complain about, it's too cold up here. You've missed the point. This is why we could come to church and complain about the worship leader. That's no shave November. Alan needs to shave that thing. I don't know what he's doing. You've missed the point. We're more comfortable in the chaos. And this is why some of us, we can retire but never enjoy it because there's anxiety in our soul. You left Egypt, but it never left you. Genesis 3 Exodus 20, Hebrews 4, there's this rest. And here's the thing that you find in all of these passages all throughout the scripture, whether it's Genesis or Exodus or Hebrews or Revelations. Rest is this, it's purposeful. Rest is intentional. Rest, the, the very thing when we first read about it, God set it apart and blessed it. He made, this day is different. Let me put it another way. You have to put it on the calendar. You've got to assign it. No, this is rest, and this is Sabbath. This is the day when I cease working and cease trying to do all of these things. It's set apart. It is holy. This day is different. This moment is different. This hour is different. This season is different. It takes discipline, and it takes effort to stop and to walk and to bless and be set apart. I love what Tim, Tim Keller says about rest. Rest is this, to interrupt the ceaseless acts of thriving. Rest demands an intentional act of the will, one that has to be bolstered by the habit of social sanction. Yes, you have to be intentional with this space. Let me read that one more time. 
interrupts the ceaseless acts of thriving. How many knows have had that feeling? I'm just like, the checklist never ends. And I got to do one more thing and one more thing. Rest in the Sabbath is this idea of like, no, I, there's more animals to name God. There, there's this garden I got to tend to, but we're going to stop. It's an intentional act. It's calendared. It's set apart. It's a demand for this intentional act of the will to be bolstered by habit and by social sanction. In other words, like, as a people of faith, as a social sanction that guides us in these principles, this is what we do to Sabbath and to rest in God. There are laws and rules and regulations. So God's saying, it's not bad to say, you know, don't harvest this grain on the Sabbath. It's a good thing, but don't, don't let it be your master. I'm the Lord over this. It's purposeful. It's intentional. Let me put it another way. Chick-fil-A is closed on Sundays. All right? It's purposeful. It's intentional. It's a day in which the people of this corporation had to intentionally stop and lay, lay upon the sense, the, the striving of more chicken sandwiches. Because here's the thing. There'll be more people that want more chicken sandwiches Monday. The line at Chick-fil-A never stops. And it shows us this rhythm of creation of Genesis 2. That's why Chick-fil-A is blessed. Because it's a Genesis 2 company that says, no, no, we are going to intentionally strive to create an environment for our employees in which we purposely stop from the ceaseless striving. Because if we're not careful, we can begin to think that our identity is wrapped up in what we do. And it's more than that in which we stop and we walk with God. And, And Jesus makes this clear. I am the Sabbath. I am your rest. You have to come to understand what you have. Your promised land is in him. Your promised land isn't just leaving Egypt. Your promised land is living in him. He is the one we can lean on. In him, my work is complete. My life enters in into this rhythmic rest of creation. It's set apart. We are set apart strangers, aliens to this place. The world wants to say it's crazy. God says, this is how you do it, where God just breathes and walks and talks. Let me say it this way. Your work is never finished, only in Jesus. Your work is never finished, except in Jesus. There'll be more chicken sandwiches Monday. The to-do list will be there the next day. There'll be more bills to pay. All of these things. Six days you've spent making something, and it's good. But here's the thing. It's finished but unfinished. It's a finished work, and yet it's unfinished. There's still animals to name. What if Adam was just like, no, 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 God, we got to get on this. You've given me a big job. This is a big garden. You know, just me and Eve here, whole lot of work to do, stressed out here, God. I think we need to get on it. I just can't, just can't have a day where we just walk and talk. Can't have a day. No, we just, just got to get on this. No, no, no. It's set apart. It's holy. Kingdom rest is when you have the ability to lay your unfinished work in his finished hands. You can put that on Twitter. That's a good one. I will. 
I'll say that one more time. <laughs> Kingdom rest is your ability to lay your unfinished work in his finished hands. God, forgive us. This is all grace. That he would use us at all. That we could get anything accomplished. We don't know how to color inside the lines. It's all grace. And to be able to lay our unfinished work, that he would use us, that he would call us, that he would even have anything for us. God, it's in your hands, and this is the kingdom. It's here, and it's now, and it's among us, and it was there from the very beginning. If we're not careful, we should fear and tremble that we would miss it. The writer is telling us you should be afraid. You should tremble in fear. These are the same words that he uses to talk about hell. When he's talking about rest, that you should be afraid that you're just working this life and doing this thing and you're missing Jesus. But to rest, knowing that it's the end of the sixth day and God, I've given it my all. And even if it wasn't good enough, it's in your hands. I, I tell you guys, most days I've had somebody tell me, you know, Sundays, Lucas, you must walk off stage. You just must feel so good. It's actually the complete opposite. Usually I walk off the stage and I think, oh, I could have done so much better. Oh, I wish I would have said that. Or, oh, God, I said that and that could have been taken wrong. And last week I, I used this word hate and I just was beating myself up all day just like, oh, God, why did I use that word hate? Because we have this rule in my house that we don't use the word hate. And I, I tell my kids, you can't use the word hate. And now their dad is on stage and he says the word hate. And it was a joke. I was joking about something. And I'm like, oh, and then I beat my. And I have to lay my unfinished, broken work in the hands of a God and say, God, correct me. Change me. This work isn't finished. It isn't done. I, I tried to give my best. I may have fallen short, but God, it's in your hands now. A farmer plants the seeds and then I'm just taking a nap. It's up for you to make it grow. I can't, I can't make it grow. Whatever comes of it, God, it's up to you. I enter into the, the song, the rhythm of creation. I ask the worship team to come back up. And I ask if we could do that song, Maranatha, again, please, Ellen. To be satisfied in him. To be satisfied in him. I like what John Mark Comer says. He says at some point in time we've, we've killed the day of Sabbath. It's been the death of the Sabbath, but here's what happened. We lost more than a day of rest. We lost our souls. When we killed the Sabbath, we lost more than a day of rest. We lost our souls. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Rest at its core is an invitation. It's an invitation to enjoy him and to enjoy creation and to walk and talk through the fields and grab a handful of grain and eat a great meal with some friends and to be there with your creator. Let's all stand. The human condition is geared oftentimes, it seems like, and the temptation is to pursue things 
that are outside of God to find our peace, to find our rest, to find our satisfaction, to find our fulfillment, identity, and purpose. And here's the thing, all of these things outside of God will always leave you wanting more because they will always demand more. And you may get that van down by the river and it may be a really, really nice van, but your soul is longing for rest in him. And rest demands the ruthless discipline and courage to be able to stop and slow down and let your unfinished work be complete in him. And let your life represent this when your day seven becomes your day one. Adam woke up to that first day and instead of going to work, God says, we're gonna get this right from the beginning. This isn't the end of the week for you, Adam. It's the first. Let's walk. Let's talk. Let's rest. If you wanna enter into what God is doing, it starts with rest. You want restoration in your marriage? You want restoration in your health? You want restoration in your finances? You want restoration in your mind? It's funny, that word starts with rest. Rest. Resting in him and his goodness. And in that, we join in with the restoration of all things. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, oh, how our soul longs for you. Oh, to seek your face in the land of the living. Oh, to feel your presence, God. Oh, to stop from the ceaseless worry and anxiety and striving that this world wants from us. And to be found in you. To be found praising from a prison cell. Maranatha. Whether we're on top of the mountain or in the valley low, Maranatha. Whether the checklist is done or there's 17 more things, whether we've completely fumbled it or we've nailed it, Maranatha. Oh, to know you, Jesus. We invite you into this place. We invite you into our lives. Lord, teach us what it is, how to be good stewards with this thing you called Sabbath, with this thing you've set aside for us. Teach us to enter in to your rhythm. Help us breathe on us. Come, Holy Spirit. If you're in the room today and you don't know him, may today be the day of your salvation. May today be the day that you say, God, I need you. If that's you and you're in the room, every head bowed, every eyes closed, I'm gonna ask you to just put your hand real high in the air. Put two hands in the air where I can see it. I don't wanna miss anybody. Put them in the air, leave them up. Is there anybody? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. All right, I'm asking everyone to repeat after me. 
Lord Jesus, God, I need you. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. God, I am yours. You are mine. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill me up. Amen. Guys, can we get up? We had someone in the house this morning. Come on. Hallelujah. Maranatha. Let's do it. Let's worship. Well, we hope this podcast has blessed you. In case you didn't know, we are in the middle of renovating a brand new facility right here in Brunswick County, North Carolina. So listen, two things. Please take a moment and pray for us. Also, if you'd like to give to the ministry, sign on to the website at mycoastalchurch.com slash giving. Hey, have a wonderful, wonderful day. Grace and peace.